Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here with a quick reminder as always to subscribe wherever you podcast. Send us a review too if you like. I mean, leave us a review or heck, send it to me. I don't mind. Uh, egraney at postmedia.com if you're on the emails or if you prefer Twitter, Emma L. Graney is where I am at. I love to hear from you so do keep all the feedback coming and enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, legislative affairs reporter Emma Graney. It is Friday, April 20, 2018. Happy 420, you guys. And this is the Pipelines, Pipelines, Pipelines edition because guess what, guys? We're going to talk about pipelines again since that's all that happens right now. Um, with me, Or to- doesn't. <laughs> exactly. With me today, I have my fellow legislative reporter, Claire Clancy. How are you, Clancy? I'm great. How Excellent. are you, Emma? I am good. I'm good. It's nice. It's warm. It's sunny. Yes. We had our first barbecue of the season. We did. Clancy came over. I had some vegetarian sausages. Yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't make it over. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Paula Simons. It's okay. People have been leaving me out of their cool girl birthday parties <laughs> since the first grade. I feel I feel your pain. <laughs> and Graham Thompson. I'm getting my motorbike out this weekend. You so. actually oh, are. Oh, that's exciting. Well, I'm picking it up at the um, the dealer. It's been stored there over the winter, so they said, come get it. And I thought, okay, fine. It's now above freezing for the first time in 100 and what? 172 days. days <laughs> yeah, so I'm very happy. I saw some guys riding their motorbikes yesterday and thought of you, actually. Careful until they get the scree off the I road. Know. It's, I'll uh, pick it up and take it home and park it till they actually get all the crap off the roads. Oh yeah, but I'm I'm actually off today. I'm not actually here. This Your is my disembodied voice. My daughter got home from university yesterday, and and you're beaming, and I'm beaming. So happy. In, in Yiddish, we say I'm quelling. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, as discussed, we are going to be talking about pipelines because pipelines. It's a thing that is happening. They're basically ruling every moment of my waking and sleeping life. I do dream about pipelines now. It's really unsettling, let me tell you. We can talk about legislation introduced on Monday that will uh, kind of... I don't want to say turn off the taps to BC, but we can call it that because that's... Throttle. Throttle is a great word. Oh, I love that word. It's so onomatopoeic. We're also going to talk about Sunday's meeting, last Sunday's meeting with uh, that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had with... BC Premier John Horgan and our own Premier Rachel Notley and how that went or didn't went, didn't go, you know. <laughs> I, I speak English words good. We, <laughs> that's going to take up a lot of our show, I think, to be honest, Pipelines. We're also going to be talking, though, about a couple of politicians who will not be running in 2019 in the provincial election. We have a couple of them here, including one of the nicest guys in, uh, in politics. Who could that be? Well... Leave it till the end. Oh, that's a good idea, Graham. And yeah, you have, have to the rest listening. of you have to listen for 30 minutes to see if you are the nicest guy <laughs> in the legislature. Or just fast forward. <laughs> Don't fast forward. Let's start off with pipelines. So on Monday. Or Sunday. Yeah, let's start off with Sunday. That's a good idea, Clancy. Do it in the in the in the order in, in which the it order occurred. of which things happen. So Sunday, Notley goes to Ottawa. Um, she meets with uh, Trudeau and Horgan, and um, basically they each hold a press conference uh, Sunday late morning after they've had this meeting. And 
it seems as though nothing has changed. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau comes out and says, I've instructed our finance minister to start um, formal discussions with Kinder Morgan. We're also looking at legislative changes, but really there's no word about what the details of any of that will be. Um, so really it was them entrenching themselves into their viewpoints. Horgan said, we're still trying to protect the coast. Notley said, we still need it built. And then everybody went back to their respective provinces. <laughs> and it was lucky that they managed to get there and get home because yeah, of the, the ice storm that right. hit Ontario. Yeah. Very, it, you know, it, literary theory that's called a pathetic fallacy when the weather yeah. when the weather <laughs> responds to your mood yeah. and ice storm was really the pathetic fallacy of, of the weekend because th- th- i can't imagine what the mood was like mm. in that room uh, icy couldn't even begin apparently, to describe it yeah apparently i asked people who were in the room or people who knew people in the room basically who said that it wasn't like there was no yelling but you know the, there was, they call it frank discussions yeah, they're very <laughs> open but there was, there was nobody running around, you know, throwing punches. It was, it was very That's disappointing. Yes, icy. Um, they icy. weren't. They weren't actually. Yes, they weren't actually fighting. But of course, yeah, they're all stuck in positions. Basically, the, the thing is, the obstacle in the room was John Horgan, and he wasn't budging. And that's what we're looking for, some sort of movement from him. Nothing came out of him. So of course, then they'll go home, and nothing's really changed. As you pointed out, Claire, the Prime Minister has some ideas, which basically means saying to Kinder Morgan, if need be, we'll help backstop you financially and maybe bring in a bill that reasserts our federal authority Which over we something. Already we already have. He said, yeah, we already have authority. We'll just reassert the authority. So nothing has changed. And Kinder Morgan has said the issue here isn't money. The issue here is getting clarity on getting this pipeline constructed because BC keeps sticking up obstacles. Yeah, as the uh, energy minister here in Alberta said, this week, many, many, many times, Margaret McCaig boy just kind of, they just they put these roadblocks, BC roadblocks. So Hogan's basically just a giant roadblock for Alberta right now. And the thing is that the First Nations, though, they're speaking out and they've said, "Listen, the obstacle isn't Horgan, The obstacle is us, the First Nations." Of course, not all the First Nations are against the pipeline. You got those who are in favor and those who are leaning that way. But uh, they're saying it doesn't matter what Horgan does because we're going to be there fighting you every step of the way too. But what fascinated me is the poll that just came out from British Columbia that shows you know support for the pipeline growing in the face of this. Paul is jumping ahead in the sorry, chronology. Sorry, I know. Sorry, the chronology I'm is we're on Sunday. <laughs> on we Sunday. moved to Monday. Right, sorry, sorry, sorry. Mon- okay, I, I'm sorry. I'm then trying. I'm trying to open my, fine, open my Paula. Christmas gifts on December 22nd. <laughs> so let's go. You know, let's start with. If, let's, if, if in this case, let's just jump to the end and. Tell tell them who the best the best <laughs> MLA in the province right, is. So then on Monday, <laughs> so what? then on Monday we had legislation. We had Bill Twelve. Bill Twelve is an interesting thing. It's an interesting creature that gives the energy minister extraordinary powers. So basically, um, a company that wants to export. Uh, refined fuels or um, bitumen or, or natural gas, anything really, to any place, not just BC, it doesn't name BC anywhere in the legislation. Because Thank that, you that, very much, because yeah, that would be unconstitutional, yes. so we're not going to name them. Nuh-uh-uh-uh. So a company wants to export something, they have to apply to the energy minister. She gets to say yay or nay. She has this power to say, you know what, I'm deciding that you, company, need to get yourself a license and you, company, need to get yourself a license. Not everyone necessarily will need to get a license. She makes the decision on who will need to get it and whether or not they get it. And if they don't get it, the appeal process actually isn't through the courts. They appeal to cabinet and argue their case. So it just gives her these amazing powers to say yes or no. She can say, um, I will allow you to ship X amount of, you know, bitumen by rail to BC. 
like I will allow this to happen. She can put an end date on that license. She can say how much. She can say how they can get it there, and she can say what what it is that can go. And there's so so hypothetically, mm. I'm not saying she would do this, but hypothetically, does this give her the power to say you can't ship by rail, so as to increase the pressure? For a pipeline, because I mean, my read of it was that what she can say is the pipeline can only carry bitumen; it can't carry refined gasoline. Sorry, drivers of British Columbia, but I but I hadn't I hadn't thought through that she could actually stop rail shipments too. What which, I guess she could, but, but what, what she's actually doing is saying we because of the context is mm. we'll turn off the taps. That's the context, but of course, the actual wording of the bill is nothing like that. Yeah. What they're saying basically, we'll still ship. Oh yeah, but, yeah. But you maybe we'll decide to ship just bitumen yes. through the pipeline because there's a big market for that. And gasoline, we'll ship that by rail. And gasoline go by rail, and that might take longer. And it might that be might more cost expensive. More. And that might cause the prices to rise in other parts. Oh. But, but that wouldn't be our fault. No, no. Exactly. That, would, that would be terrible. Wouldn't that be terrible? That's It's an That's interesting bill. So it's just yeah. sort of this very cute delivery of the bill. <laughs> when we all know the context <laughs> is... Bill 12, off the, the cutest th- bill in ever. Exactly. <laughs> so the, the context is turning off the tap. So, of course, BC is saying, well, hold on for a second. We know the context. Uh, this is not you just getting control over uh, shipping exports for your own benefit in Alberta. It's a way to turn off the taps, but doing it in a sort of, again, passive-aggressive backdoor way. But Very it, Canadian, that passive-aggressive. Now, you're asking if they just, just say no, no more rail shipments. No, I think it's more to do with them uh, delaying shipments as opposed to turning it off. But, I mean, you, you could imagine a scenario in which they said, sorry, we've got lots of grain that needs to move, and that's more important to Alberta's economy, so you can't use yeah, the rail. absolutely. I mean, it, I mean, it is – I mean, we've been comparing Notley all along to Lougheed, but really this is Aberhart kind of legislation. I mean, it reminds me of the stuff social credit used to do and try to do in the 1930s to do right. end runs. Overstepping. Yeah. I mean, I mean in, in any other context – this would be an outrageous piece of legislation. In any other context, opposition parties would be setting their hair on fire. But in this case, everybody's like, no, okay, that's, that, yep, like, that's, that's <laughs> totally cool. And I think, I mean, one thing we were talking about is there's also no limit to when those powers would yeah, there's disappear. No, there's no sunset clause in this. And uh, that's one thing that opposition leader Jason Kenney um, said. He said, you know, we support the goal of this bill, but... We're going to be proposing an amendment to have some sort of sunset clause because you don't want to just have the energy minister able to wield these powers forevermore. And BC, wait, chronology, chronology. I think here. no, I think you're right. I think BC, BC came kicked out, up a stink. They said two things. Their AG, Auditor General, said they're just bluffing, never bring it in. But we're also yeah. going to challenge it in court. So <laughs> which they're is, they're a they're attorney court. general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, they, yeah. Sorry, that attorney general. Sorry, attorney general in BC said they're bluffing in Alberta. They'll never bring this in. And by the way, we're also going to challenge it in court. And they're going to file a reference case within ten days. That's on the issue of jurisdiction. Right. Right. Okay. God, it's so complex. So much, so many moving parts. And then on what day was it? On Tuesday that Scott Moe? Oh, yeah. So Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe um, recently replaced Brad Wall, of course. On Monday afternoon, he said that Monday Saskatchewan's going to get on board and introduce its own legislation that's going to kind of do what the Alberta legislation is doing. He, I don't think they've introduced it just yet, but the f- kind of cute part, since we've used the word cute when it comes to our oil bills, um, 
is that Saskatchewan doesn't actually ship a whole bunch of stuff to BC, <laughs> but it's kind of, you know, it's it's the whole signalling of the it's whole thing. And, 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 and we're on board with you, Alberta. And it's, it's so funny. It's this it's this 1984 switching of enemies in, in, you know, we've always been at war with Pacifica, right? I mean, we, we remember we, how many podcasts did we do about how Bradwall and Rachel Notley hated each other in the trade war many. between BC and many. Saskatchewan. And suddenly Scott Moe is Rachel Notley's super BBF. License plates BFF. are really a BFF. thing of the past at this point. <laughs> Now, now oh, everybody's yeah. friend. I think oh, BBF could be way. best boyfriend. Best boyfriend? That's what I'm thinking it means. Okay. Well, that's fine. Maybe they'll okay. get matching neck tattoos just like <laughs> BFFs do. I saw, I did actually see when I lived in Vancouver, there was these two girls walking down the street and they just got matching neck tattoos and they were like so happy about it. That's asking for trouble later was, on. Is this on the list of topics to be covered? <laughs> no, I've, it was I've, not. I've done very little homework on it. <laughs> On matching. neck tattoos. But I just, I, I think, I mean, the well, that's your fault, Graham. But, but <laughs> I think this gives Notley an interesting bit of political cover because you know, for so long, the UCP, you know, whatever whatever we were calling the right wing in Alberta, um, used to say, oh, you know, if only she could be more like Brad Wall. If only she'd be more, you know, if only we could have the premier of Saskatchewan as our premier. So when the premier of Saskatchewan sticks his head up from the from the grain fields and says, I'm on, I'm on Team Rachel, it does sort of undercut that that line of argument from the UCP. And the UCP have an interesting, uh, I mean, they are faced with an interesting political dilemma here, right? Because this bill, they're like, yep, that seems that seems fine. That seems fine. I mean, maybe we'll have an amendment to put sunset clause in, but I mean, fine, the bill's fine. But it, but that's what, and this is what Jason Kenney has been saying. He's like, I've been saying this for, for a year. What what? Now they're just stealing my ideas and, and, and they ridiculed me for it, but now they're doing it. So that's good. But the thing that's, that's funny good. is then you have Michelle Rempel, you know, uh, uh, oh, yeah, conserv- conservative this. MP from, from Calgary, <laughs> comparing Rachel Notley to Hugo Chavez mm. and saying, well, this is just what they do in Venezuela. Yeah, so I mean, it's fascinating to see the conservative movement not knowing uh, whether whether to do something or go blind. Well, they, and they're in a position where they have to support this bill. So yeah, well, no matter how much they provincially, would not like to... but federally, I mean, so to see Michelle Rempel and, and Jason Kenney on opposite sides of the debate yeah. is entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and, and then oh yeah, and so it, then. On Wednesday, Wednesday. Um, I was in estimates and it was executive council. So Rachel Notley was kind of going through the budget estimates for her office and Jason Kenney was asking her questions. Now, as we're sitting there and I was sitting next to Dean Bennett, who is the um, CP, can- yeah, the Canadian press reporter, and he just kind of was like, oh my God, did you see that story? I'm kind of like typing out notes as they're talking, um, like you're, Kenny you're and Notley are talking. You're, you're tweeting things. I wasn't tweeting a lot, no. Anyway, anyway. anywho, so this the, is why we don't get invited to the barbecue. Apparently not. <laughs> so uh, you are the Steve, queen of tweeting. Steve Keen from Steve Keen from um, Kinder Morgan was on a conference call with investors and said that the last ten days have done nothing to change his view on what's happening with the pipeline, and it's still untenable. And this is he said that as Rachel Notley was going through budget estimates. So then Jason Kenney got a text about it, obviously, went out and had a chat with some of his advisors, came in and just kind of lobbed, <laughs> lobbed that at Rachel Notley, who had no idea that this had just happened. So that was another development. And Notley says we scrummed her afterwards, and she said... That is completely not the message that I'm getting from Kinder Morgan. Yeah, that's kind of odd. I'm paraphrasing. She didn't say that, but she did seem rather surprised. And then 
Kinder Morgan put out a um, a press release saying, "Hey, just to clarify, just to clarify, guys, we're working with the governments and everything's fine, and nothing has changed." They <laughs> nothing said nothing has changed, and then also on Wednesday, a poll came out. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> Angus <laughs> Reid, Q Paula, and, and the poll said that now almost two thirds of British Columbians support the pipeline, and I was, as previously signaled, surprised because you'd think that all you'd think that just as you have all of, you have so many Albertans rallying behind Rachel Notley, whether they want to or not. I would have thought that in British Columbia, Horgan's hardline position would have solidified support for his anti-pipeline position. But I don't know what it is, whether British Columbians are thinking about the economic potential economic benefits or whether it's just the fact that, I mean, Horgan is only premier by the grace of the Green, of the, Party. The green Party that props him up. But... Um, I was honestly surprised that there was that much support for trans. I think it's fifty-four percent. I thought province-wide. Oh, is that is that Canadian? I know that sixty percent in central BC. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Fifty-four uh, percent on the island mm. are in favor of it, and fifty percent in Vancouver. And and it's not so much just the fact those raw numbers, but the fact it has increased. Yeah. over the last few months. And, of course, Notley is claiming this as a victory, saying that all of the climate change work that Alberta is doing is the She's reason... She's got the social <laughs> license! hey It's a victory when they actually get the pipeline under construction. Yes. Until then, she keeps... No, and, and, it's a victory and, when they get the pipeline turned on. <laughs> under, under construction oh. doesn't guarantee that... Well, that, that's know. fair enough. I know that, and the thing is, Kenny had a good point. He said, look, she keeps claiming... Victory, yeah. and it's not. She hasn't got victory yet, and and he's right on that point. And the poll says something though about Horgan too. I mean, what position is he in? Because he has no way to get out of this, really. Like he can't back out of his position. But but actually, it does point out that sixty-seven um, percent. I think that's the number here. Said sixty-nine percent oh, actually seventy percent said that if they go to court and the courts say, look, this is legal, it must go ahead. Seventy percent said at that point, yes, it should go ahead. In fact. A third okay. of those. So, th- so when I said when I said two thirds, I wasn't. Well, this is in terms of <laughs> if they lose in court. If they lose in court, it should go ahead. In fact, I think a third of those who are opposed to it today said, "Yeah, if the courts decided it's legal, it, it should go ahead." And so that really does show that's th- very Canadian. And Horgan exactly. has said that he has said, of course, "I'll, the problem I'll is obey what happens." If they could actually get a court, court decision in the next couple of weeks, right? Um, yeah, May thirty first. How, is how up fast very could they force this through in the Supreme Court? Well, I mean, if, if, I mean, if they seek a reference, it would be faster. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the the the, the Como decision this week about beer, you know, took a long time, oh, really? and it's it's interestingly there are interesting parallels between the beer decision. I have to say, as a non-beer drinker, I, I got a little frustrated yesterday that my entire Twitter feed was people tweeting about the beer decision, about which I do not care at all. <laughs> but. Um, Yes. We actually, I was asking uh, Joe Sisi, the finance minister, about that yesterday during INS on his way into the House and asking about whether or not this is going to have any impact on on Bill 12, whether he thinks, yeah. or even the court decisions right now about Alberta and the small brewers and, and Saskatchewan brewers kicking up a fuss about that. Well, it does actually it's, help Alberta if it does bring back the wine boycott. They mm-hmm. actually have the power to control. Yeah. Well, he said they're very, very different, Emma. They're very different. One's about a pipeline, one's about beer. And I said, they're both really important. <laughs> They're and, both, and they're both about crucial to living. <laughs> but they're both also about interprovincial trade and, yeah. and the rights of provinces to control what comes in and out of, of their territory. So, I tried you know. to point that out, Paula. He wasn't having a bar of it. Let's switch gears. Was there anything else pipeline related? It's really just Yeah, the NDP has a poll. They say, pipelines. speaking of support, 
50% of Albertans think that she's doing, not least doing a really good job on the pipeline front. Huh? Yeah, but that doesn't translate into votes, I don't no, think. No, but, but I think it's true. I think lots of people who hate Rachel Notley and hate the NDP hate having to admit that they get kind of, you know, they get a little bit behind her when they see her. I mean, I, I, I did a CBC radio interview this morning on day six. We were supposed to make pop culture parallels to this. And I said, she's just, you know, it's a little bit like the elf princess, elf queen Galadriel. You know, she looks sweet and ethereal <laughs> until, until she turns into this glowing, fire-breathing thing. And I think, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good look for an Alberta premier. Albertans like it when their premiers set their hair on fire and and blows you know blow sparks at other jurisdictions <laughs> let's switch gears now to the nicest guy in politics who is, is it? it you no it's wayne drysdale who is uh grand prairie wapiti mla um wapiti wapiti thank you it's my accent we say it differently in australia you know, <laughs> um <laughs> you don't have any wapitis in australia <laughs> So Wayne Drysdale, he is not going to run again in 2019. He's been in politics for 25 years, he told me yesterday. And of course, I mean, oh, he wow. was a progressive conservative. So yep. he was, you know, part of part of the merger, not maybe a natural Kenny person. I mean, certainly as a progressive conservative, he was one of those, you know, rural Ed Stelmack guys. But at the time when I was at the legislature filling in when Graham was off on sabbatical, I remember being so impressed because at a time when people would just be idiots in question period Wayne Drysdale would actually answer questions mm-hmm. when he was a cabinet minister if you asked him a question he would answer the question yeah. um, <laughs> a novel <laughs> it was a thing and in op- when he was in opposition he would ask like sensible questions not questions just designed to score cheap political points yeah. but actually you know useful questions and then the NDP would sometimes actually answer them because they were real questions some of the nicest uh, some of the most lovely interactions in question period is when um drysdale gets up and asks kalia about something the agriculture minister here and he often will give um i know cabinet minister told me you know he'll often give him a heads up about what he's going to ask about so that they can get the information actually get the answers that he needs for his constituents so i remember he I, and kalia I mean, get up how, how shocking that we have to be i know <laughs> that we're like oh my god what a novel concept yeah he um he does that and he's he's I was talking to him about this yesterday and he kind of said, you know, I just believe that you should treat people the way you want to be treated. And it was just like, oh, Wayne. <laughs> oh, Wayne. But yeah, he and Carly, they just get up. He'll, you know, Drysdale ask a question. Carly will get up and tell him the answer. It's like, thank you for that information, mister. I appreciate it. Can you expand a little on this particular point? Yes, I can, member. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's just. So we're done with pipelines, I take it. I just thought we had bailed out of pipelines too early. The next step, what's going to happen in the pipeline front? They've got until May 31st. We should send Wayne Drysdale to negotiate. You know, actually, it's not a bad idea. He's a very, <laughs> he's, he's a very level-headed, um, not a showy kind of guy. And I agree with him. I think he was satisfied. I was wondering, though, but going back to pipelines. You really want to go back to pipelines? Well, I'm just wondering, what's the next step? What's going to happen now? We're just kind of leaving a hanging. There's, you know, what, what's going to happen? They've got the May 31st deadline from Kinder Morgan. Oh, yeah, but that's, the, that's like the, a month and a bit They're in away, negotiations. Right? Um, with the federal government and the Alberta government, but Kinder Morgan keeps saying we don't. The money is not the issue here. It's British Columbia. Well, you know, it's it's the investor confidence. I mean, it's one thing that Steve Keen is saying one thing to Notley, but if he's if he's on a conference call telling his investors that, I mean, that does not inspire investor confidence. That does not inspire <laughs> investor really confidence no. at all. And you know, I mean, there's a there's a potential 
a ripple effect from this too, because we're talking about one particular pipeline project, but there's all kinds of infrastructure investment in Canada, not just in the resource sector. Why would anybody want to invest in a major infrastructure project in this country uh, with the kind of rampant nimbyism? I mean, and, and, and the sense of, well, you know, something can be approved and it might still not go ahead. I mean, it, there are consequences beyond the economic value of building this one particular pipeline. To your question, Graham, who knows where this is going to go? Oh, thank you very much. Who knows? <laughs> How about time will tell? Time will tell. You see, Graham. if Wayne Drysdale were here, he would ask the question and answer the question. Well, but, next week we've got so, a, they're off for a week, aren't they? They are. Constituency break. So Drysdale is not running again. Scott Sear not running again. Scott Sear is not running again. And Brandy Payne, Brandy Payne. the... She's associate not, health uh, minister. Associate health no, minister, yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, for Payne... I mean, she's tried to do the next to impossible, which is to, you know, be the mother of two babies while also being a cabinet minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, much though I applaud the idea that we're going to be letting women combine being mothers to newborns and cabinet ministers. Uh, the, part of me that, the part of me that is a feminist thinks that that is a fine thing. The part of me that was once a new mother um, thinks that, you know, you're you're asking people to do something extremely difficult. So I don't think that pain's not running again necessarily signals anything about her confidence in the NDP or anything like that. But I, I am surprised that Scott Sear is not running again. And he and he posted like a really odd... It was it so was a, weird. It's what the kids call a vague post on Facebook. It's like you're reading it and thinking, there is subtext to this that I am not getting. The, the backbencher doth protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Scott Sear, um, so he announced, well, I guess he put it up on Facebook, which is how one announces things these days, uh, that he just isn't going to pursue re-election in 2019. And he said that it was bizarre. It went on he said, and on and on. It's like, it's like the post you make when you break up with your boyfriend. Yeah, it was very long. And he kind of said, you know, I don't want... Uh, there's still work to be done, which may lead some of you to ask, well, why am, I, why am I not pursuing re-election? It's a complex question, and I don't want to seem like I'm dodging it. However, I'm basically dodging why. <laughs> I mean, because all he had to say was, you know... Uh, I'm retiring to spend more time with my family. That's the time-honored, you know, uh, yeah. which in Brandy Payne's case is actually true. But um, <laughs> it does make you wonder what's going on behind the scenes because it was it was a post designed to make you wonder what was going on behind the scenes, I think. Yeah, and Scott Sear, his uh, constituency was one of the ones that was fell victim, if oh, you will, to, to the boundary redraw. Yes. And so he was going to have to run against Dave Hanson, who is also an MLA, for oh, the okay. nomination. That, yeah, that. Now, I spoke with Dave Hanson um, on his way into the house, and I said, so did you talk to Scott about this? He's like, no, no, I just heard about it as well. I had no idea this was happening. And, yeah. Kenny, and Kenny did say, of course, we would never tell someone not to run. They would so, never pick and choose who to nominate. So, yeah, Scott Sear, he's the MLA for Bonneville Cold Lake constituency. He basically told Elections Alberta that he has withdrawn his paperwork um, from the UCP nominations for Bonneville Cold Lake St. Paul for the upcoming 2019 election. One of the interesting things, too, he referenced Wild Rose a couple of times and how he was he was elected under the Wild Rose banner. Yeah. He was very proud of the Wild Rose yeah, work. Yeah, that's, that's what that I, they thought. Have done. I thought. I thought that was subtweeting, you know. It did seem very subtweety, didn't it? So then he said, um, there's clearly... Clearly much that still needs to be done. So many within our constituency are probably wondering why I've chosen to withdraw from the UCP nominations. This is a complex answer and one that I am not trying to deflect. But ultimately, it's good to reevaluate the direction your career is going from time to time. 
Uh-huh. I'm at and, a crossroads and I'm going to talk to my family and, and, and pray about it. And it's one thing it's one thing to say I'm not running again. It's another thing to withdraw. I mean, he'd already submitted his nomination yeah, papers. Right. So, I, I, you know, as I say, it wasn't just like a little trail of breadcrumbs he was leaving. It was like, you know, it was <laughs> like loaves of bread. <laughs> Full loaves just sitting there. Yeah, so it's interesting that he's not running again. I haven't had the chance to actually ask him face-to-face. Um, we were texting the other day, but um, you don't really get much from a text, do you? So, of course, Wayne Drysdale is not um, seeking re-election in 2019. I sat down with him yesterday, and he basically said, you know what, it's just time for me to retire. I'm 61. I want to spend more time with my family. He got quite emotional, actually. Um he kept saying he's trying to keep his emotions in check and then kind of having to stop himself and being like, yeah, it was a hard decision. And yeah, he... Um, has, has, Stark, has Stark he said yet what he's going to do? No. No, he... I've talked to him a number of times. He hasn't made up his mind yet. At least he hasn't told us what he's doing. But slowly the list of people, it's all yeah. it's that add-on question now of scrums. Like, are you running in 2019? And we've had a cut, like uh, David Swan said he's not running again. Well, we know that. Knew that. Yeah. And then, um, you know... Derek, so. Derek Filderbrand... That's a big question. That's a question Well, it's a question. I wouldn't call it a big question. Because it doesn't really matter. You know, if he's going to run as an independent, he's done or he doesn't run. Either way, he isn't going to be back next time around. We've got uh, Brighton Mason's an interesting one. I keep asking him and he, and he keeps saying, Emma, why do you keep asking me that? Because so, everybody knows you want to retire to mm-hmm. Naramata and, and drink BC wine when it's where it's legal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe they're not going to – you know, he's the minister. Exactly. They're not going to let him in. Well, I think is that they don't want to let him go, and the, the, the NDP does not want to lose anybody. Yeah, uh, but especially, of, of that, especially of that, Brian Mason. Of that uh, importance for the party. Experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. He said something funny in uh, in question period, actually. It was a point of order, and I only wondered in at the very end of it. And he was be- he had his sassy pants mm-hmm. on this week. Like, he was really giving it to the UCP this week. And he got up, and he it was during a point of order, and he said, I did not call the member a crybaby, but if the <laughs> shoe fits, maybe he should wear it. Oh, my goodness. And everyone went, oh! <laughs> Somebody call the burn unit. All right. I think we should do good stuff from the gallery. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably enough of that. Yeah. Let's move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things we have seen or read or listened to lately that we think you, dear listeners, might also enjoy. Clancy? I'm going to recommend two things just because one of them is a movie. (laughs) So in theaters. Graham's like, what? What's wrong with recommending a movie? (laughs) Well, I'm going to recommend an article that's really fantastic in The Guardian. It's called The Murder That Shook Iceland. Um, It's really interesting. It's about um, the murder of a young woman and how on this island that's very safe and Mm. uh, known for women being able to walk around alone very late at night, um, this murder just like kind of held public consciousness. So it's a really great uh, long read from The Guardian. And then I'm also going to recommend a movie I saw this week, which I loved, called A Quiet Place. And um, it's with Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. And the premise is really interesting. A lot of the movie is in sign language. And it's kind of a science fictiony movie about um, a couple who they live in with their family in the like in you know the future a few years from now when um, there are things hunting them but the way that they track them is sound so they live in silence as a family and try to hide so it's monsters from outer space who have come to earth and they hunt through sound they're blind and they hunt through sound so they've killed most of the humans and this one family one of the few remaining ones have got to con uh, talk to each other through sign language. Did you see it? I did. And did the, you like it? Yeah, the, the, the teenage girl is actually is deaf in real in real life. Yeah. And they wanted actually a deaf actress to be uh, an important part of the, the plot. Paula. 
What do you have for us? Well, I'm going to also recommend two things. I'm going to recommend a serious and important thing, which is um, Slow Burn. Have we oh, talked I about this? It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a podcast on the history of Watergate from Slate Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Listening to it makes me feel very old because the host says, you know, and I had no idea about Martha Mitchell. I never knew that Spiro Agnew was his vice president. Oh, sweetheart. I, I know these things. Of course, I was six at the time. I was a very odd kid. Um, <laughs> but it is a great primer on the history of Watergate and a very well done podcast, it really is, good yeah. technical stuff. Uh, and then since we're doing movies too, um, you must all go see The Death of Stalin, uh, which is so dark. It is the darkest, Graham recommended funniest that the other movie. Day. Yes, and so I, 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 second, <laughs> I seconded that. Seconding Graham's former He was correct. See, I listened and I went. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to recommend movie. I'm going to recommend a piece in the April 16 edition of the New Yorker magazine, which I have right in front of me because I actually read this in the train on the way to work today. Well, what is that you're holding in your hand? It's a magazine. Oh, it's, wow. I know. It's this thing called paper. Wow. And they print things on it. How does that work? It. Yeah. It's, it's such a it's pretty, it's such a pretty spring cover, too. I know, isn't it, though? Um, anyway, it's called Made in Italy, the Chinese immigrants who assemble designer bags in Tuscany. And it's something I had no idea about. There was a, a really yeah. um, high level of immigration to Italy from China to this one particular region. The Chinese workers worked a lot harder than the Italians, and it's caused a lot of problems. They were accepting under-the-table cheaper labor. So it's this idea about how cheap fashion has just kind of impacted this region of Italy and also really interesting geopolitical because, things going because on. Because of course when you right say now. when you say something is handmade in Italy Exactly it, it does it not has a cachet yeah. in the marketplace. Exactly. And it's really interesting. It talks about like the uh, the social interactions between the Italians and the Chinese folks. There was a question there about how no why are no Chinese dying and there was because there were, you know, a thousand of them arrived and there were two deaths recorded over twelve months. So then there was this idea in the community that the Chinese mafia was actually taking the bodies and then reselling the passports off illegally to other like Chinese folks. Anyway, great, great piece. Uh, that they also had an article about um where the Pope buys his socks. Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's a little. It's a little shop I in. Um, that one, yeah. yeah, about in about Rome. ecclesiastical uh, garb and how yeah, you yeah, saw the same one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you got black socks for priests and purple socks for the cardinals and mother red socks for the Pope. I think. No, it's the other way around. I think cardinals yeah. wear red. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, that's right. They do wear red. <laughs> of course, and, and you should know this, Paula. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Being Jewish, my, you my, should be yeah, all over this. My, my deep Jewish and Mennonite roots give me a huge <laughs> exactly. insight into the Catholic. Um, yeah, so mine is on a new TV series on AMC, the same channel that brought you The Walking Dead. It's called The Terror, and it's based on a novel about the Franklin Expedition, the, the, the third and final one, the two ships in the Arctic, 1847 roughly, looking for the Northwest Passage. So it's based on a novel as to what actually happened to them. So The Terror... Ooh is a play on words. The, one of the ships is called, there's two ships, the Terror and the Erebus. Terror is also a play on words because there's something un- supernatural on the ice. I would not get on a ship called the Terror. This is dead. You know, <laughs> an Erebus is, Erebus is the uh, Greek god or of, of darkness. Yep. Like, you know, you're saying two ships. Not what you think. Yeah, like, couldn't they call it, I don't know, the... Springtime. I would yeah. get on that ship. Or, happiness. Or Bodie McBoatface. Yeah. Yeah. I get on that boat, but exactly. not actually when it says I would, terror. I would just like to say, readers, that even though this is 420 and this is the weirdest podcast <laughs> we've ever done, that we're all perfectly sober. Yeah. I, I can't. I, Speak I, for yourself. I, we're, just, we're, <laughs> we're, we're just drunk on spring. 
I know this is. I, I think this, we have to save this one to submit for some kind of award because this is the wackiest edition of the press gallery we've ever done. And see, we don't need weed, legal or otherwise. But again, we're just like speak this. for yourself. I don't, I, I don't know what was going on at that barbecue last night. Well, but, but Graham, I, I wasn't. I wasn't there. Yeah. Yet. When, yet. when Graham and I have our Guys. barbecue, the sausages will be made out of real Alberta meat. Oh, good lord! I'm going to wrap this up, guys. Thank you so much for joining me, Clancy, Paula, for coming a new day off, Graham Thompson, and Sean Butts, who is here to film some of this and put online at EdmontonJournal.com, where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery. You can also subscribe. In fact, you should subscribe. Leave us a rating if you would be so kind. And we'll be back this time next week for more hijinks and shenanigans on the Press Gallery.